Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. Our guest today is Andrew Skirka, a professional hiker, a National Geographic Adventurer of the Year. We're going to talk with Andrew in just a second. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sufferfest Beer. Uh, they're sponsoring four episodes, which we really appreciate. A lot of people thank us for our work. People are thank us every day for our work, in fact. We're receiving two to three FKT submissions every day, right now in the middle of the winter. And so we really appreciate that the Beer with Benefits is supporting uh, four of our podcasts. Sufferfest was founded only a few years ago in San Francisco. And please note that they have a beer style called FKT. Yep, it has a touch of salt and black currant, and you should check it out. Okay, here we are with Andrew Skirka, and Andrew, thanks very much for coming in. <laughs> thanks for having me. I think you're looking at a new career. you got a good radio voice. Oh, well, thanks very much. Uh, I, I work on it a little bit. <laughs> and your bio is, is terrific. Uh, you know, we have a lot of different people on here, and you've done a lot of things starting a number of years ago before FKTs kind of hit the mainstream to, to a certain degree. I would actually say, be, I mean, it was long before FKTs. It was... It was at a time where um, where hiking fast was not accepted. Not even hi- like speed records, but hiking fast was not accepted. So if you went quickly, you were frowned like upon. Like I was frowned upon for doing the Appalachian Trail in three months. Three months? Yeah. Well, it's gotten a little faster yeah, I know, then. right. Yeah. And so I was frowned upon for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, doing it in 40-ish days would have been... Uh, they, Probably, I don't know. I don't know what would have been done, but it wouldn't have been nice. Well, we'll give you a little yeah. flack for that here a little later on. And we'll hear, that's why you're on the show, is you have a great perspective. You've seen this history. But I'm going to run it down since you okay. won't do it. Like all our podcast <laughs> guests, you're modest. And so I'll have to note that you did start off in the AT. We'll go back mm-hmm. to that in a minute. And then you launched the Sea to Sea expedition. You went from the Atlantic to the Pacific across the northern tier of states, including the Midwest in winter where I met you. This is when I met you. And I said, don't do it. You're going to freeze. It's going to be awful. <laughs> and fortunately, you did not listen. I you did it anyway. I froze, but I survived. Yeah, Yeah, that was 7,775 miles. And then you conceived of the Great Western Loop, where you did this giant loop around the western United States. That was 6,875 miles. And then your piece de resistance, which no one has ever repeated, no one has ever wanted to repeat, is the Alaska-Yukon expedition, which was 4,700 miles, a little bit less in mileage. But this is pack rafting across fjords of Alaska. And how many days without resupply in the Brooks Range? Well, I went 24 days between road crossings, and I had a, uh, a cache flown in up by bush plane like about halfway so then it was like 300 it was about split equally like 325 325 on each side that's solo in the books it was the most expensive chocolate i've ever bought it was 1100 dollars for like a 40 pound cash 1100 dollars for chocolate that's probably worth it otherwise you've been eating roots and berries and maybe trying to get a grizzly grower okay well that's your cred there and i'm just going to finish this up if you don't mind and for that, you were awarded National Geographic Adventure of the Year. You have a book out called The Ultimate Gear Hiker's Guide. You're currently doing gear reviews for Outside Magazine, guiding trips for a living, 
And uh, if anyone asks me, which they often do, about ultralight hiking, how to go backpacking, I always say this is easy. Go to <laughs> andruskirka.com, yeah. and I'll just say that again, andruskirka.com. If you want to go backpacking, this is how you do it. It's put a lot of energy in the website. There's a lot of good resources up there. There's a lot of good resources. So let's go back to the start. This is okay. a good story. You were fresh out of college, I think. You yeah, decided still, to... I was still in college. I was... Trying to do the Appalachian Trail between my spring and fall semesters. Okay. And how'd that first trip go? What was, was that like? pretty awful. <laughs> it was really hard. It was so hard. Oh, my God. I learned everything the hard way. So, I, I mean, you have to put this a little bit in, uh, in historical context. So, Golight was founded in 1999. So, this is I'm t- three years after Golight was founded. So, the conversation about lightweight backpacking was just starting. And uh, there's still very much like an old school traditional mindset and this kind of this belief actually that like traveling light was not was unsafe. And like and there were a bunch of bunch of wimps for for that style of travel. So I I went out in the Appalachian Trail. It was like the beginning of May um, and I had like a ton of stuff I didn't need. I didn't have a ton of stuff I did need. Um, and it was just a total suffer fest for like the first two to four weeks, I'd say. How much did your pack weigh? I never got the chance to weigh it. Um, I'm guessing like nowadays when I put on a pack and kind of feel it, I'm, I'm guessing it was like in the 40 pound, maybe 50 pound range. My, my pack empty weighed seven pounds. Just your pack Just the pack seven. weighed seven pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good yeah. metric. Yeah. And indeed, that is how you were supposed to do it. No matter yep. where you went, from a shop to anywhere, you're supposed to carry this gear. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. Yeah, I think um, there's a difference between not doing it right and carrying sort of like the recommended gear of the day. I mean, I think there are a number of items that I had that were sort of like that was the expectation. So, for example, a seven-pound pack was common. Uh, a uh, four-pound um, double wall tent was common. A uh, one and a half pound sleeping pad, common. Nalgene water bottles, common. Uh, pump water filters, common. But then I also had a ton of stuff that I just never would have needed, like you know, two pots or, um, or like I, I think I was carrying like enough white gas when I started to get me through like for, for the first three weeks. Okay, <laughs> as if like there's no white gas anywhere in Georgia or North Carolina. Right. And how far did you make it? Oh, I finished. How long did it take? It took 95 days. 95? Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. And by the end, like, by the end, I, I, I was doing pretty well. Like, I, I was, I definitely figured out a lot. But, um, like I said, I just, every, I just made a ton of mistakes and just learned everything the hard way. So you recalibrated dramatically. Yeah, I had to. Actually, it was funny. So, I, it was like two, it was like, probably like a week, week and a half in. I went down into, I think it was uh, Hiawassee, Georgia, and I called my parents. And I was just like, this is like, I'm getting my ass handed to me. This is really hard. And I was expecting like this three month sort of communion with nature. And I brought like an Edward Abbey book. And I kind of made this realization that if I was going to finish in the time I had available, which was about three months, that I was going to have to like push. And it was going to have to be like sort of an athletic approach to backpacking. A little less communing with nature. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can still have that. um, But definitely more of an internal into like physical mental challenge and it not just kind of sort of a floating through the green tunnel mm-hmm. kind of over five months sort of experience so yeah so it took me a little while to figure that out and then kind of once i had resigned myself to that type of experience then i just sort of went for it put your head down got yeah. it done yeah well when i met you again it was when you were uh, 
uh, dreaming up the C2C project yeah. and when I recommended that you don't do it, but you did it anyway. <laughs> and by then, you had changed the whole gear. So you, this is interesting. 2002 Appalachian Trail. What yeah. year was the C2C? I started at the end of 2004. Right. So in those intervening just two years, everything had changed, hadn't it? The, the goal light company yeah, was now it, up and running right. and the, the ethics had changed yeah. and you had adopted to the new techniques and tools yeah, yeah definitely partnership with goal i helped a lot that i had access to gear but the gear was still really primitive at the time like i look back at the gear i was using like i used a poncho tarp because there was no there was no ring gear that was lighter than 12 ounces and uh, i used my backpack that i used for the bulk of the time didn't have any hip belt pockets or side pockets <laughs> yeah you know um so and then like we were you brought in a uh, a little show and tell an old golite jacket i mean that's the jacket that i used during the winter part of the trip i mean like i would never i don't think i would use that in colorado in july you know <laughs> right. right and it's you know it's weighs right. 12 ounces and it doesn't really keep you that warm so the gear was still pretty primitive at the time but it, it definitely it was an improvement versus even two years prior now by the time you got to the great western loop had you dialed it by then? Yeah, I was pretty pretty well refined at that point. Actually, you know what's interesting about so two thousand seven, I feel like um, that was almost the time. So um, the gear was the gear had come a really long way, but I hadn't yet um, I hadn't yet taken a little bit more of a holistic point of view and gone like you know I really like that twelve ounce Neo X light because it's comfortable to sleep on and. And, uh, you know, I've got this, at the time I wasn't married, but like I've got a wife at home who now demands that she hear from me regularly. So now I need to carry an inReach, which, you know, adds up. And this is an era before like smartphones had any use. And actually, I don't even think there were smartphones in 2007, maybe. But if there were, they weren't that useful. So like I didn't have to carry a smartphone. So actually, I think my pack weight was lighter in 2007 than it is now. Definitely. Just because I've added things back in. Or, you absolutely yeah, have. Yeah. No, you absolutely have. Yeah. I mean... When we were doing things back then, of course, you were noted for a few idiosyncratic uh, behaviors. <laughs> you had, of course, the Go Light Marathon shorts, yep. which is now is a you know it's it's a pretty uh, it's like the Baywatch. It's a lot of leg, <laughs> and I could never get by that nowadays. I mean, think about this: right. like, just the stuff that I do. I mean, your legs would be look like you know someone put them through a paper shredder right of course yeah. you didn't wear a hat you only wore a visor just a visor right and of so, course yeah, visor's I'm, lighter than a hat you yeah know, you're saving a half and I, there and yeah and I'm now getting pieces of skin removed from me every six months partly because of that yeah, mm, mm. yeah. and of course flashlight headlight no 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 you used the little clip on <laughs> right you had the like yeah. the little LED uh -huh. thing you put on your keychain right. for your car yeah. you clip that yeah. onto your visor and that was it yeah it weighed I think it was like nine tenths of an ounce that was my but you know, at the time, and that was like an L a one LED light that was like groundbreaking. And nowadays, and I don't know how many lumens that thing kicked out. Probably like five, five, sure. <laughs> and it was powered by a coin cell battery, so it lasted like you know twenty minutes. Uh, and nowadays, you could you, know, you could get a two ounce light that throws out like 150, 200 lumens. Right. So the technology has just come really far. Right. Yeah. So you have seen this change. Even you're a fairly young man. Yeah. But you've seen this whole change. Yeah, I'm only thirty seven and yeah, I feel like when I, I have conversations like this I feel really old. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's even like you know, nowadays talking like a modern through hiker, you know, they're like you know, everyone's got Cuban this, Cuban that and you know, they're all like hooked up on these various like social media groups and that they don't even bring like paper maps. They just have their phone. They just look at their phone the whole time for twenty six hundred miles. To I mean, it's it's totally different. It's wild. Totally different. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, 
and it works really well. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's, yeah, good it's technology. huge improvements. So you continue to evolve. Evolution, I think, is a real uh, hallmark here. Because from the AT heavy, you created a bunch of other routes, yeah. and then your Coleman. You and I did the Sierra High route, right? Yeah. Where we got to practice the off-trail yeah. travel, right? Yeah, that was interesting. So you know, 2008, we, you and I did the Sierra High route, and like high routes were just like people were just yeah. kind of starting to talk about them. Like Roper's book had been out for like 20 years. And no one had done it. No, right. And I think actually Steve Howe from Backpacker had done it like the year prior. And he was the first person. It took yeah. him 21 days. Yeah. And it was a near-death experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, well, in fairness, he did do it in October and there was still a lot of lingering snow. And, but yeah, he was, yeah. And then, um, you know, that's funny. So like that was 2008. And then I feel like to my last big, big hike was sort of a like... Uh, the philosophy of like a long distance through hike combined with that like adventurous off trail and then after the great after the alaska yukon expedition 2010 like i'd say like my primary focus has been high routes you know it's been like i've gone back to it and realized that for someone who has a, like in my case i'm married i own a home i run a small business um, I can't get away anymore for like three four or five months but i can get away for two and i can have like an awesome adventure on a high route it's awesome train start to finish it's super challenging you need to be really present the whole time and they've just been it's been a great outlet so you made a transition big time yeah definitely and so yeah. if we were going to graphically chart you you'd see longer 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 rougher rougher more uh -huh. more more out there yeah. and peter Backwin has a good one-liner on that alaska yukon expedition yeah what's that and what's that like he said you know i think andrew kept searching for the edge of the envelope and he found it yeah that's probably true yeah i mean yeah. suddenly you were yeah. out there on that one that one that's right. not a through hike no at all different very different yeah, that so was a true expedition. yeah so for your reader or listeners who aren't familiar so the alaska yukon expedition was 4700 miles and six months um so it was this big loop starting in any in kotzebue i started in the middle of march finished the beginning of september you started on skis started on skis skied the first uh let's see it was like tw um how many miles was it? It was like 2,100 miles or 1,200 miles on skis. Yeah, 1,200 miles on skis, and then the remainder was um, uh, hiking and pack rafting. And I ended up, th that trip had like 2,000 miles of off-trail travel. So that like, it's like the length of the Appalachian Trail off-trail. And um, By yourself. Yeah, solo. <laughs> and yeah, I, I definitely think I found the edge. The way, like, I don't want to belittle anyone who's been in... Um, in like the military and been like you know active war zone um, to make this comparison, but like it's sort of the closest experience I've had to that. Where every single day there's like this high degree of discomfort and and uncertainty. Like every day I wake up and I go like, well, all right, well I'm going to give it my best bet and like let's see how this goes. Because I didn't like there were plenty of days where I thought that like maybe at the end of the day I'd be dead. <laughs> like there's a possibility. Whereas on like. You know, the Great Western Loop, the Appalachian Trail. I mean, yeah, people die on this kind of thing, but you generally something really freaky or you do something really dumb. Right. This is a good comparison to make, I think, mm -hmm. because we're used to through hiking uh, with the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest mm -hmm. Trail, et cetera, et cetera. And the Great Western Loop was, you know, bigger. It was yeah. just your own loop. But yeah. Alaska was next level. Yeah. That was literally yeah. dangerous. You're, you didn't know what was going to happen. Right. It was a true adventure. And that's, it stands alone yeah. by itself, and that's how you got uh, Adventure of the Year. Yeah, yeah, and definitely you know, touched the edge there. I think it was sort of convenient that that was my, uh, I feel like when I got done with that, I was, 
I was ready for something different, um, both you, in terms of like outdoor experiences, but life too. I mean, at the time I was, so I was 20, say I turned 29 when I was out there. And just before I left, I had sort of reached this um, point of exhaustion with living out of plastic totes and all of them being able to fit my Pontiac vibe and still using my parents' address as a permanent address because I didn't have one. Um, that was kind of tiring. So you really shifted gears. Yeah, it was just, it was this you, if I may, this... you own a house now, right? you're yeah. married, yeah. and uh, you're running a business. Yeah. And so not a lot of people with the, that credibility can make the transition. If you notice yeah. that, it's usually one way or the other. You're really good out there, but you come back to so-called civilization, you tough. struggle a little right. bit, or vice versa. Yeah. But you did make a dramatic transition successfully. Yeah, it, it hasn't always been easy. There are plenty of times where I look back at my 20s and go, wow, I had a lot of fun in my 20s. <laughs> and like, and, I mean, this winter, this has been a long winter for, I, mean, for, I think, everyone here on the Front Range of Colorado, but also I'm just, I've been working my tail off. And this year I'm running 20 guided trips with 176 clients and I'm doing it in four different locations. Like, it's a, like I just, I now have uh, like 13 employees. Like, it's become a pretty big organization. So, yeah, I look back at my 20s and kind of look back and kind of, wow, that was that was like refreshingly simple. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but you know, that's I could ask the next yeah. question, but I don't have to. Well, do what? Well, what's better? Well, I, the, I've just looked at it as in chapters. So I think in my twenties, I don't regret anything I did in my twenties. I, and I, I don't regret anything I've done in my thirties. Um, but it's been different. It's been like in my twenties, I was a dirtbag through hiker and I lived to hike. And in my thirties, I've built something real. And I'm like, and I'm a husband, and um, I, I'm proud to be, like, you know, to have, like purchased a house, and so it's a chapter. Um, and I would, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure when the next chapter is going to start, but um, you know, I'll be okay when that happens. Nice. Yeah. It's good, good perspective. And so, if someone says, or if you think yourself, "Wow, I did these giant trips." And now I'm guiding other people. And, of course, you're mm -hmm. still doing things, you know, yeah. Wind River, High Route, right. et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Kings Canyon. Yeah. But you don't, you don't, you're fine with that. You're yeah, I think for the time chapter. being, I, I'm pretty satisfied. I think the key thing for – the thing that has always motivated me from the beginning has been for, like, personal growth and fulfillment. And with my hikes, like, I was learning things every single time that I went out. And nowadays I'm still learning a ton, but it's just, I'm not learning as much as a backpacker, but I'm learning, you know, like more as like a business person, as a guide and as a writer and, uh, and, um, you know, as a husband. So it's a different, or as a, and as a pet parent. <laughs> so it's just, um, different things in life that are sort of the focal point now. Right. Well, that's a brilliant perspective. I think a lot of people would aspire to be able to see their life in chapters where each chapter had its own validity and its own joy and rewards. Yeah. So I'm not, is that really true? So you, you really do feel that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah. And like, and like yeah. I said, you know, I still get to scratch the adventure itch plenty. I mean, this year I'm going to be guiding, so I'm guiding 35 days worth of trips. I'm going to, I'm going to spend two weeks in Alaska, two and a half weeks in the high Sierra. I've got to manage some trips in, in Rocky Mountain National Park. So I still get out a ton, and then I'll probably end up like in August, probably go do some personal stuff. Um, so like the last couple of years, like last year, I spent a week and a half in Yosemite, just scouting the Yosemite High Route. The summer before that, did the Fifner Traverse. The summer before that, did the Winter High Route. So I'm still getting out there and you know, getting after it hard. I've also been running a lot too. Like I think uh, last year was the 
fourth year in a row or fifth year in a row, I ran more than 3,000 miles. And 2017 was 4,000. And you so, got under your 230 marathon. That's right. Yeah, last last January I broke. I was 228.24 at the Houston Marathon. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty fortunate for what for the life I have. Good. Yeah. Good call. That's yeah. brilliant. So in terms of the life you have, it's, you know, in a fairly short amount of time, you've come, gone through these many transitions. So what's it look like now? What's the sport look like? Obviously, <laughs> oh, sure. FKTs have blown up. They're all yeah. over. Yeah. Two years ago, almost uh, a month ago, I was in China, and the local, I, I was interviewed by the local magazines and newspapers, and in Beijing, they asked me about fastest known times. Yeah, it's, wild. Yeah, it's yeah. it's worldwide. It's, right. That's the term they use, whatever yep. language. You still say yeah. FKT. And we have the FKT of the Year Awards, right. yep. which are really fun. We did it for the third time this year. And this year we did, for the first time, FKT of the Year Awards for Europe, mm -hmm. a separate wow. category. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then there's now, like, a legitimate FKT website. And, yeah, it's come, I mean, it's definitely come a long way. So what do you think? Yeah. What are you seeing? What what do you like well, and what don't you like? So I think um, I look at it through like from personal context, and the stuff that I find really interesting is where someone is, or a group is getting after it really hard on a on a route that is more multi dimensional than just like a gimme. Like the Appalachian Trail, the John Muir Trail, they're gimmies. I mean, it's like here's your start, here's your finish, go. It's not like there just isn't. It's just not that complicated. It, it, so, you could say it's sort of like a race. It is. It's like a race, yeah. Whereas something like like that route that Nick Clark did last summer, like you know this, the uh, San Diego Cristo Traverse, or you know someone or like. Um, well, in terms of the awards, uh, Nick Clark did the San Diego Cristo. Mm -hmm. He got a few votes on that. Yeah. Didn't make the top right. five. Yeah. But yeah. Nate Bender and the Montana Twelve. Yeah. So like so that like that to me is like I mean I've spent enough time in Montana to know how difficult it is to access some of those peaks. I mean that is just like a serious adventure doing something like that. Or um, a couple of years ago, I mean some of these don't even make headlines, but like um, like when uh, Justin Simone you know, bike packing all the like the Colorado Centennial Peaks. I mean that is like that's a legitimate adventure. Mm. Uh, or even you know Nolan's legitimate. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the stuff where it's um, like I was actually almost embarrassed two years ago when you guys listed by FKT and the Pawnee Buchanan loop as like a put like as a contender because I was like you know it's twenty seven miles it's all on trail whoop de doo uh, <laughs> so and like yeah it's pretty psyched to break Tony's time from you know, seven years earlier but like it just doesn't it's just not rich enough mm -hmm. you like the multi dimensional approach yeah just you know, yeah. Stuff that implies like some um, something besides like, just cardiovascular yeah, fitness. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and like and and um, uh, what's uh, help me out? Holy cow, the Hoka runner, Jim Walmsley. Right. I mean, some of the stuff that he does is just phenomenal. Like I came in, can't even fathom how fast he's running, but like, right, it's a race. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. But again, that's you know that's a that's a personal. I'm viewing it through a personal lens of like, what am I drawn to? Right. And like, you know, someone would have to pay me a lot of money to hike the Appalachian Trail again, or my <laughs> wife would have to say like, hey, this is really important to me. We need to go do it together. <laughs> like, it's just the idea of like doing that again. Just no way. Well, I'm not going to pony that up. So that's not. That so was my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll go back up to Wyoming sometime mm -hmm. because you and I were you know, projected the wind. River High Route 
yeah, of course. Right. And uh, we yeah. mapped it out yeah. on your uh, dining room table with your cat yeah. sitting on top of the maps. That's right. And so uh, I'd like to get back up there. That's that's yeah. the the Wind River High Route as we define it, if yeah. I may say yeah. so. I think is one of the the best in the world. So I've got so some perspective on this now. So I've put together um, I've put together four guidebooks for high routes. Put together Kings Canyon High Basin Route, uh, Yosemite High Route, Fifner Traverse, Winter High Route, and then a, a map set for this year High Route. So that's five. And uh, yeah, I, I think based on what I've seen, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, the Wind River High Route it is <laughs> it's pretty hard to top. Um, you just it's like the purity of the route, the um, the ruggedness of the terrain, the logic. The, the um, the flow of it, yeah. the uh, um, the 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 percentage of off trail travel, the the vertical gain and loss. I mean, it just is like it, it sets the bar ev- with on every single level. And so when I compare other high routes, like it's always sort of in that context. And you know, you work with the terrain you have. So like when I put together the Yosemite high route, it's a phenomenal route, but. What am I going to do about the fact that Tioga Road cuts across you know Yosemite National Park? You're crossing a paved road. Yeah, you're going to cross paved road, and it's convenient. Like I, you know, it's because you can stop and you can like grab a burger from the grill and get your get your supply cash out of the bear can or the bear locker. But yeah, it, it it's a little disruptive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like uh, you know the Fifner Traverse, um, you know it's a really proud line through the Front Range here, but you know it definitely is a little weird from that first thirteen or Mount Flora. You can literally see downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. So, whereas on the winds, I mean, you stand on top of Wind River Peak, and like it's the same way that you like, can't, you don't you know, know where you are, right? Like Lewis and Clark, you're like, okay, yeah, this is what they saw too. Yeah. Well, to me, I like what you said. The flow. I mean, there has to be a logic to yeah. it. It's not about being hard. No, it's not about right. being long. Yeah. Just like we're taking the climber's ethic, right. alpinist yeah. ethic, that it has to have some aesthetic right. to it. Yeah. And Wind River High Route, as we define it, uh, goes from Downs Mountain to Wind River Peak or vice versa. Yeah. And those are the northernmost and southernmost uh, 13ers right. in the range. Yeah. Named 13ers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's yeah. a bookend. Right. And then you stay as high as you can without doing anything technical, right. which works really well. So it has a logic to it. It's right. not contrived. Yeah, yeah. and the way I like to describe the, the routes I put together, like I never want it to feel sort of stupid hard or contrived like mm-hmm. yeah like you could always make them harder mm-hmm. but I, usually at this point i'll offer um I call them extra credit segments mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like hey like you can go over this pass if you want um it's really like no value added at all but it's way harder um so, but the recommended route goes this other way gotcha yeah what is next for you or what do you think what's next for fkt's where do you see fkt's going well, I think you're going to see, yeah, continue to see explosion of FKTs. I think um, hopefully you'll start to see some. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's one of those going to be one of those things where there's a lot of interest in sort of your like your classics, right? Um, sort of those like widely mass accessible classics like Grand Canyon Rim to Rim or Zion or uh, JMT. Some of these ones that, like people can kind of knock out and like it only takes a couple of days. Um, unfortunately, you'll continue to see interest in like PCT, AT, um, just because the the history is pretty deep, um, and you know, and guys are attracted to like the athletic stuff. I would love to see though, like you know, some people putting up like innovative, like kind of spreading out a little bit, and, mm-hmm. like looking at some other some mm-hmm. other things. And it doesn't um, it doesn't need to be like something that someone's going to replicate all the time, but like put together something neat and like put together something where they've like someone else would look at it and go like like yeah you like 
that's worthy of doing on its own, like even as not even an FKT attempt, but just like, so. We had Killing Journey on last podcast, mm -hmm. the previous, and the same question we always ask, what's yeah. next? And he said essentially the same thing. Interesting. He's okay. going for himself. Yeah. He's going after some of the OKTs, uh, right. yeah. only known right. times. Yeah. Because obviously, if he wants to go after some trade route, he's, yeah. he's going to get it. It's, <laughs> or come pretty close. Yeah, he's yeah. going to either come close yeah. or he's going to get that FKT. Yeah. So he's going to go after some of the high traverses, yeah. the high lines, sure. the yep. ridge traverses yep. that Beautiful. maybe aren't yeah. on the map. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll have to send him a few guide guidebooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Europe, as you know, the style's a little more technical. <laughs> yeah, he might, he might be really bored by, yeah. like, he's like a backpacking, I mean, you know, yeah. Right, the style <laughs> in the States, you know, we call maybe, it trail running. Maybe the winds, he, he, he actually probably would be very attracted to, to the Wind River High Route. Yeah, yeah. The, the route that's never been done in the winds is to stay on the crest. No one's ever even tried to stay on the crest. <laughs> that would be Good amazing. luck. Yeah, it would be, I mean, your, your technical skill set would have to be bar none. I mean, or you can do it. Yeah. I mean, everything is absolutely yeah. climbable. Right. It yeah. would just but you'd have be to have, arduous. It, yeah, it would need to be like a Justin Simone, Anton type who can combine those like scramble, endurance, technical rope skills. Yeah. For... Two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, you, you, you think it would take that long? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it probably would. have to be supported, too, because just the logistics of bringing in that much food. Well, you could self-support it. You could cash it. That's true. Well, not within guidelines of Forest Service or Park Service, but yeah. Oh, that's right, because the bear issue, you can't cash. Yeah, I mean, they will, they don't even like you to leave a bear can for right. food out there somewhere. Good yeah. point. Yeah, because it just kind of becomes trash if you don't go back and get it. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, so next for, that's where you see it going. And how about yourself? Do you have any projects coming up for 2019? So I've been kind of hampered by injuries uh, this winter. So I'm like, Yeah, you are an old guy now. I know. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky on the injury front. I've been injury-free for several years, but this one's been kind of nagging me. Um, but it's kind of been convenient where it's the winter. Um, it's a good time of year to be on the bike trails anyway. And uh, so I've been, been kind of like, looking at a lot um august is going to be kind of my my big month this year since you, you're, you do all this guiding I, yeah, 35 yeah, days guiding, high altitude yeah, guiding trips in in june july and august or in september rather so that really only leaves august um, and then you're very fit I, yeah you know should be pretty fit so i'm looking at you know i would definitely um kind of look at some of these doing something on the high routes again um even if it's just like me going and like if I can get a week and a half and just go backpacking in the winds for two, like, like pinch me. I mean, that's like, I don't It'll care. It. Yeah. It could like never end up like online that I was in the winds for a week and a half and I would still do it. Cause it's just such a gorgeous place. And even like the front range of Colorado, I would get back into some of the pockets like, like upper hell Canyon or like the Lone Eagle Cirque. And like, it is spectacular back there. I'm just like, I'm just as happy back there and just doing it as like a casual, not Casual being a real life term, like a casual backpacking trip. Right. And it's two hours from our front door. Right. Yeah. Pack your bag, yeah. go over there. Yeah. And have a my great wife time. can pick me up at the end. And yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good call. It's a great yeah. attitude. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I don't have like big news release here for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great I'm it's a welcome relief because, you know, I always ask what's next. And of course, some people say, yeah, I got this project, but I'm not telling. Oh, that's, that's, you know, they don't want to get poached. Sort of tease. You know, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, someone's going to come around and steal it. Yeah. But for you, um, someone can 
you you welcome someone coming and stealing your project because your project consists of having a good time in the mountains. Yeah, that's kind of the primary motivation. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. It's been fun. Thanks for having me.